Hi, everyone, and welcome to the ASU Sports Business Series. Um, my name is Gabriel Jala, and I'm the founder of ASU Africa Sports Unified. Uh, thanks for joining um, as we focus on women in sports. It's been a wonderful summer for women in sports, uh, across athletics, rugby, football, uh, highlighted especially by the Women's AFCON and the Women's Euros, where we saw records broken in attendance and uh, goals and also just the quality of the matches was of a very, very high standard. So throughout this month, we shall focus on various aspects pertaining to the development of women's football. And I'm so pleased that today we have uh, Meskarem and Emma Sykes from UEFA and CAF, who are key figures within the women's development team or strategy team. Um, and our moderator today, Nobile, who is just extremely knowledgeable about what's going on in the sports business environment. So thanks again for joining. And I hope that you enjoy today's panel and the rest of our series. Take care. Good day, everyone. Um, my name is Nobilian Lovu. Thank you so much for joining us on the Africa Sports Unified Sports Business Series um, discussion, panel discussion, looking into the development of uh, the women's game in UEFA and CAF. I'm very pleased to be joined by uh, Ms. Grim Teresi Goshime and Emma Sykes. Uh, these women are titans in their own industries. Um, Meskarim is the Senior Manager of Women's Football Development at CAF, um, former um, administrator at the Ethiopian Football uh, Federation. And Emma Sykes, um, she's the Senior Women's Football Development Manager at UEFA, um, currently based in Switzerland, has been there for 11 years. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I really feel like a thorn among roses here. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for having, thank you us. having us. Great. Um, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, thank you also for, for joining. The comment section is open for you to ask any questions that you may have. The questions will, though, uh, be answers, answered um, towards the end, we will have a question and answer session. So feel free to drop your, your questions in the in the comment section. Um, but yeah, without further ado, I think let's jump right into it. Um, Meskarim, um, we were talking offline about your, you know, your history. Um, you've got a very interesting history. I think your father almost kicked you out of home for getting into football. And I, I listened to a podcast of yours that you had at one point, and you said every uh, every woman who who gets to the top has a story, and has a struggle of some sort that she's been been through. You have an interesting one, starting off as a as a lover of football at ten years old. Um, tell us about your story and how you got into into football. Um, thank you very much. Um, I, I think football was a family sport in, a, in, a, in our home. Uh, we love football. We, my father supported Liverpool, Arsenal, in the Ethiopian national team. My brother, my, my uncles were crazy about uh, St. George, the local team, the local champion. Um, I, I grew up in a football environment. And the, 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 the thing about 10 years old is that the first time I ever saw the African Cup of Nations, actually, uh, it was in South Africa, in your country, yes. in 1996, mm. is it true? 96, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, so I gave up my age. <laughs> 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 uh, it was in 96, and I, I was so in love with, with, with South Africa and, uh, and also um, Mandela, Madiba, and all the story about South Africa. And it was, it was uh, the first AFCON I actually saw. And then it was the World Cup, the Euro. I, I remember Bulgaria or some country was a big uh, fuss about it. So it's, it starts when I was young, um, but like playing it was some something else because as a woman in Africa, football is not seen as a career choice and it's a distraction, especially when you are a woman, it's believed that it's a distraction rather than, a, you know, a career choice. Um, so... 
when we come to the university, I was still playing in high school and I, I, I chose sports science because it's something closer to football. So mm-hmm. where I can get football. So I chose sports science as a subject and my dad was not happy about it. <laughs> we had a lot of uh, fights regarding that. Um, but, you know, sometimes following your passion leads you to, to your destiny. So I, I believe football was my destiny. Um, in CAF, uh, I joined CAF in 2018, uh, November, mm. the end of 2018. Um, it was an office that I actually fought for to establish when I was uh, an organizing committee for women's football at CAF. Um, so when I get the chance and the call up to be part of the, the, this new office, uh, I said yes, and I, I pack my things and I moved to Cairo. Uh, it's been it's been it's been a great I, I, it's been a great year since 2018 to now. Uh, we had the COVID in the middle, um, you know, um, like influencing our development. But I believe we have achieved a, a lot of things for African football. Before we joined CAF, there was nothing in terms of women's football development at at CAF. Uh, yeah. When we tried to look into data in terms of women's football, we couldn't find a lot of data. It was just two years competition, the Women Afcon, that was held for only eight team finalists. Um, so we understand that there is a lot of things to be done. Mm. Uh, so yeah. our job in 2019 was just meeting people, <laughs> um, going to member associations, try to find what is there. And you know, Africa is a diverse ca- continent. So, in the south and the east, so we need to find a solution, and we need to 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 see what can be done uh, in the same level or uh, in for women's football in Africa. So, that's how we started at CAF. I joined as a mm-hmm. manager. I am now a senior manager. Um, we have developed our own strategy and it goes, it goes like that. <laughs> All right. So we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Uh, Emma, let's come to you, uh, the former goalkeeper turned central defender. Um, <laughs> so about your history and how, and how you got here. Um, I, I know you've, you've worked, you used to work at, at, at tournaments, I think, and as a, as a tournament coordinator prior to joining UEFA. How's you, how's your history and how, how, how's that charted? Um, well, a little bit like uh, Meski. I've always been a football lover. I, I've mm. always been, it's always been part and parcel of my life and of my family's life. Um, I feel very lucky that I had parents who took me to the local club in the championship, Huddersfield Town, with a season ticket yeah. from three, and I played football. Yeah, all, I was always taken to a football club to play, so I've I've always had a very kind of um, supportive unit that allowed me to, to have football and sport um, as part of my life from a very, very, um, from the beginning. Um, I actually joined UEFA uh, back in 2011, straight from university. So as my my first role was in women's football. Um, so I came as an as an intern um, mm. into a very small team that was being set up for the first time for the women's game. Um, mm. It was just a handful of people. There was people running a few of the competitions, but there was nothing there for development. Um, and this was really when UEFA decided for the first time to inject investment through the Hattrick program. And therefore, mm. I had an opportunity to join uh, that team working with the national associations to develop the game. Um, and that's mm. really where it all started. And to be honest, it was very much data entry at that time, seeing what all the associations were doing for the women's game. And I think if I got that booklet out that I had to create then to see where we are now, there's such a huge difference and so, so much has happened in that time. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have very similar stories, essentially, because both of you, when you went into your roles, nothing really existed. It's almost sort of like a blank canvas, really, in terms of, okay, well, nothing really exists. We don't have anything. Go out there and figure it out. Um, so. Let, let me start off with with you, Emma, in terms of how things have changed. How has have things changed, um, you know, at, at UEFA since you since you got there, and how things are evolving? I mean, I, I think that the the change has been 
immense. It's very difficult to put into words um, how much it's changed. I think if you'd have asked me maybe a month ago, um, I would have maybe had mm. a slightly different answer because the visualization of the change was actually on the faces of the people at the final mm. of the Women's Euro. I'm sure it was yes. the same at the AFCON. Um, but the, the tears of joy at that final for, you know, from so many people, because the, and the main reason wasn't because England won. Yes, that's very important for, 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 the, for, the, for the English. But um, it was really because of where we'd come from, how far we'd come. Um, and also, you know, what was possible if you, you believed, put investment in time and effort and energy, and that's what could be achieved. Um, so I think that the, the final just at the weekend, just gone, really was a showcase of the change. Um, but, but really, it's the attitude towards the game that's changed. Mm. The attitude towards, I think, women and girls being involved in sports, being involved in football, um, having more chances and opportunities and also being given those chances and opportunities. And that's really, really what's changed in the last 10 years, for sure. Yeah. Ms. Grimm, if I could bring this one to you, um, your current role um, at CAF, um, can you take us through your, your current role at CAF, what you do? And, and similar to, similar to, to Emma, um, I mean, you just also had a, a phenomenal success with the with the CAF Women's Champions League, um, uh, with the with the CAF Women's Afcon. I mean, um, recently, with forty five thousand people going to the final, it was it was immense. Similar to you, uh, to 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 Emma as well in in, in England, and and Emma, I'm not speaking here as in your role as uh, at UEFA as as an English as an English uh, uh, woman and, and, and fan, 90, it was almost 90,000 people at Wembley. Um, so phenomenal success on both sides and congratulations to you both on, on the work that you've done over the past few years to get women's football to where it is now uh, in concert with other people. Um, but um, Ms. Grimm, if you could take us through just what, what your role entails now um, and how it's evolved from, from when you started at CAF and um, what the what the attitude is like in the in the hallways at CAF? Um, I know you you started off with a very small team as well over there. Yeah, uh, we we are a small team. We were just two, uh, but uh, the good thing we had in our in our department is we have a director of development who's really supportive. Uh, we had a. Um, the general secretary and the deputy general secretary who was supportive and uh, um, really want to do more for women's football. I think this is an important note that key administration, uh, football administrators are uh, the most important uh, decision makers in terms of women's football. When they support women's football is when women's football flourish in member association or in the confederation. Um, without the support of the senior management, uh, we cannot achieve, like a women department cannot achieve anything alone. Uh, so like I said, when we came in, there was not a lot of data, data and uh, we couldn't find what it looks like in Africa, women's football in Africa. So we uh, did a, a, a visit and questionnaires. We meet the coaches. Uh, uh, the first job, actually, we, we directly went to the Ghana African Women's African Cup of Nations 2016. And you can see the difference from 2016 to 2022. It was immense. Mm. Uh, not just the final stage in terms of qualifiers, in terms of teams registering for the qualification uh, stage. We used to have 20, 27, uh, maybe even sometimes 17 member association out of uh, 54 registering for to qualify or for, for women AFCON. But in 2022, it jumped into 40. That's a big number for us. Actually, it, it was 42, but two teams uh, withdrew. So we had 40 teams playing the qualifier. So that, that, that for us was a big success. That's why we mm -hmm. have teams like Burundi, teams like Togo, uh, teams like Botswana making it for the first time uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in their history for the African Cup of Nations. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it was a big success uh, for us. Um, one of the things we did is we established the strategy. Uh, the strategy is really important for us. Uh, it's the first development strategy in CAF. Uh, and it's just so basic. We just want to 
put the foundation for women's football, what's needed in this uh, four years from 2020 to 2023. Um, if you see the things what we did, uh, for example, the establishment of the Champions League, it's right out of uh, the strategy. We have a women's football brand. Now it's very uniquely designed that reflects Africa, the way African women dress, which is so colorful. Mm. If you see our brand, uh, I think one of the, the, the really the successful thing for me, yes, we have 45,000 people attending the, the final, much more even if you were in the stadium, you can see it yes. was more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also to see that brand that differentiates women's football, that looks like women's football, you know, it, it, it was not the, the plain uh, calf brand that we had. Like it was differently made for women's football. And you can see the brand, you can see the color, and you can see that's women. So for me to see the stadium uh, branded in just women's football, uh, the volunteers wearing a women's football slogan, empowering our game is our slogan. Uh, it's an inclusive slogan, we believe, because it, it just doesn't focus in women's football. It's like developing women's football and men's football, just empowering our game is our slogan. To see that slogan in the in the back of the volunteers, to see the women football logo in the big screen, for me that was a, a big success for, by itself. So we have now the brand, we have the Champions League, we have the 12 team African Cup of Nation, uh, we have the the the, the qualifiers uh, growing, and for us also uh, one of the things we did was we push for a member association to have a women football administrators. We actually send letters to our member association and follow up on that, that each member association need to have a women's football administrator. It's really key to have those because uh, we need a, a partner who we can reach out when we contact the member associations. We are pushing for member association to develop their league. That's also mm. key, especially since we have the Women's Champions League. Uh, the leagues need to be sustainable enough to have a strong champions. Uh, mm. This is what we are doing uh, currently. We also mm. give, we didn't say just have administrators, we also give um, the administrator the proper tool, capacity building, so that they know what's available there and how they can manage women's football inside member associations. So that's uh, our job till now. That's 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 a lot of work on your shoulders and you guys have done incredibly well um emma if i if i could take this one to you uh you know we were speaking off off chat here um about just how competitive the women's euros were um and just how much capacity have, has been built over the years um, amongst the member associations to ensure that it's that competitive i mean England, yes, came out on top, but there was Germany in the final in previous years. The Netherlands has really done well. Sweden has really done well. Um, how has UEFA managed to build that capacity over time to ensure that these games are so competitive? And what sort of programs are, are, are you guys putting in place to ensure that that success continues beyond um, the, the Euros um, and the success that we saw there? Yeah, we were, we were saying earlier, weren't we, that going into the Euro, you wouldn't have been able to, you know, say which team was going to necessarily uh, make it to the make it to the final. That there were maybe six or seven teams that people were talking about, but you know, Germany always seemed to get there anyway. Um, but um, yeah, it was mm -hmm. it was incredible for this, and obviously, as we went through the competition, it became clearer which teams um, were going to to make it there, but. If we talk about kind of long-term in investment, it really is a ten a ten-year program. I think that all those top federations um, have put in place in order to ensure that their structures around their national teams, their youth teams, their national leagues um, are really in the right place in order to provide the best environments for those um, players to thrive. And it's not just you know the England and, and Germany's that had provided that. You see the example of Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, that was also down to having a long-term strategic plan um, that started maybe six or seven years ago um, and dedicated resources, which then led to them having their first ever team in a final tournament. And I think they were a, a real credit uh, to their nation. But also now, 
what that federation has been able to do is that they put those players on full-time contracts for the last six months. Mm. Now they're going to have to decide what they do next um, <laughs> because now is the time to build momentum. Uh, yeah. There's a the m- momentum there. Um, and it's really about investors, national associations, sponsors, governments, um, you know, striking why the iron's hot now because everything is 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 a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, you know, the time really to invest is now if we want to see kind of the further development of, of the women's game at the next Women's Euro, the next AFCON, the next World Cups. Um, it's really about, um, you know, planning um, today for the next, for the tomorrow, really. No, absolutely. Um, and and really a lot of, of that money that's needed. Um, one, yes, obviously there's going to need to be government intervention um, where, you know, in terms of in terms of funding, in terms of putting putting in place, um, you know, incentives for, for sponsors to want to come into the women's game. Not that they need any really, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, but a lot of it is going to come from broadcasting and um, and uh, UEFA's struck up a deal with um, with the zone uh, with regards to uh, broadcasting on YouTube for the um, for the women's Champions League. Um, how big is this for for women's football? Um, what other methods can can people look at in terms of sponsors and and um, and funding really to further fuel this uh, to fuel what you're talking about? I mean, the fact that women are, are only starting to get given uh, full-time contracts now, um, whereas in Africa, that's not even a thing. You know, uh, most of the teams don't have f- players who play f- full-time. A lot of them work, and they and their mothers, and they also they they also have to do training in the evening or the afternoon. Um, tell us about that specific deal um, and how it's changed the, the the face of of women's football in um, in Europe. Well, I, I mean, the de- the deal is incredible. Um, t- to be honest, um, it very much centers around, you know, visibility. Visibility mm. of the game is so important, even before you talk about um, the broadcast rights or any revenue that's generated. It's really about letting, allowing people to see the sport. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. really what this kind of deal really centers on. I mean, I must say, from a starting perspective, that the it wasn't just the deal that was put in place it was put on top of a whole revamp of the women's champions league competition which you know looked at the sporting and regulatory sides that looked at promotion that looked at the commercial um angle as well and that was part of one huge holistic package to really cement women's champions league as the best of the best in club football and that's what we wanted wanted to achieve so you know it was all part of one big change but if we look specifically at the the disowned deal what that allows us to do or disown and youtube is mm. to broadcast all the 61 matches of the group stage so one of the major changes was to create that that group stage to increase the number of matches and the number of teams playing um and that they were broke what's important is that those matches are broadcast for free on mm. the on the design and youtube channel um in the, in a four-year deal so for the first two years last season and this season um all matches are for free uh, that reduces um as of the the next season um but that free access is up to four billion people around the world that's how far the reach of youtube um can go and if we we put that together with a whole a promotion strategy, we've looked at exclusive windows where there's no other football happening in Europe to ensure mm. that we maximize that visibility. We've given the Champions League a real home. Um, mm. And we're really seeing the results now because it's become a global competition. I think there's over 230 ter- uh, people have watched, um, not people, but from territories. Territories. Mm. Yeah. And that means it's global. And that's what we wanted to really achieve with the competition. Um, you know, for the final, um, which was in Torino, 3.6 million people watched that. That's a 56% increase on the, the year before. So, you know, the Women's Champions League is a, is a huge catalyst for growth. And I think that the DAZN and YouTube deal is a, a real example to, to, to everyone of what, you could, what can be achieved if you're innovative, 
um, take a little bit of a risk and really find this balance between visibility and revenue. Mm. Because if we chase just the money, then you won't get the, vis the visibility that the sport needs as well, because Absolutely. we're still in a build phase. We're still growing. So everything mm. needs to be part of a strategy. No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, Ms. Karim, if, if I could bring this one to you and, and uh, just, I mean, what Emma just said now uh, is, is so important because you built the capacity and that, that capacity allows you to grow. You can't just go for the money at the top and, and without, without, without proper groundwork at the bottom to ensure that that, that growth is, is sustainable. Um, I know that we spoke prior just now about um, the about you know, capacitating member associations to ensure that they they the leagues and in, in each country are also working properly. But um, CAF have an interesting program that they started um, around coaching the women's football development program, and that I know Morocco has been a, a really big driver of that. Uh, can you tell us about the the, the women's um, football development program, it started in June 2022. Um, uh, and, and that coaching legacy workshop and, and what you're trying to achieve there, specifically knowing that if you're not, if you're not going to have enough um, women's coaches, or, or coaches specifically targeting the women's game, you are going to struggle later on with capacity to ensure that those, those people are coaching women's, you know, female players down the line. Um, this is one of uh, the, the focus of our strategy. So our strategy have uh, five pillars and one of it is mm. development. And in development, we focus on capacity building. And uh, we know that competition are a drive for change, a drive for development. Without competition, uh, we could not move forward, uh, which is the second priority for our strategy. Uh, mm. So we, we literally combine uh, the two priorities uh, to bring this uh, coaching legacy workshop. It actually started in the first uh, Champions League, which was held in, in, uh, in Egypt. Uh, we mm. call uh, 30 coaches all over Egypt and we give them the first legacy uh, coaching workshop. Actually, the workshop for us is uh, to connect with the coach in the, inside the member association, the host nation and to give them that recognition they deserve because uh, the feedback we get from the coaches are really amazing. They, they are happy. They, they, uh, some of them, for example, for the, the one in Egypt, um, the girls, the ladies didn't have coaching course for five, six years. So this was the first coaching course, the first workshop they were attending. And this bring recognition from their member associations, their coaching partners, the, the clubs, uh, the, the, the academies they are working on, that they are attending uh, a CAF coaching course, they are updating their knowledge. And we just want to empower them and let them know that they are recognized and also to, to let them know also to stay in the game because uh, in Africa, we face this challenge where uh, women stay in the game, but there is no career, career pathway. Uh, they give up. After five, six years, they give up. So we just don't want them to give up. So we, we say, stay there and, uh, you know, you are recognized now. You have the knowledge, you have the channel, you have the connection and you can grow. Uh, in, in the CAF, in the new CAF uh, coaching uh, regulation, also we put out that 10% of each coaching course need to be women. For example, mm. if you have 30 participants, three of them need to be women so that we give women a chance. Plus to that, we are now giving member association to organize C-level and D-level women coaching courses. And as CAF, we support them by giving, sending them instructors, fully cover their flight, uh, their hotel, and uh, their, uh, their everything covered by CAF. Uh, so the, just the member association will just cover the expenses of like classroom, uh, football pitch, all of that. So that this is a way to encourage member association to organize coaching course that targets women. Um, I just want to also uh, give a little bit emphasis on the CAF Champions League because here we are not just um, trying to develop the club 
football, but also the structure surrounding the club football. Mm -hmm. With the new regulation of club licensing for women's football, we just released uh, the 2022 edition. I think we are the second confederation next to UEFA to establish a separate women's football regulation for women's club. Um, in this regulation, we state that um, each uh, member association or each club participating in the CAF Champions League need to have a contract with their players. So Hasakas ladies or Sundowns or any team, River Angels, coming to participate in the Women's Champions League, that they have a contract with their players, a contract with their coach. They need to have medical, they need to have a doctor, medical checkup, so that we are really, they need to have a secretary, bank account, so that they are actually a functioning club, not just a, a team. So we're trying to really professionalize the structure surrounding uh, the club. Plus to that, now we have in the new men regulation, we have included mm -hmm. that a men team participating in the CAF Champions League need to have women's team. I think this is this will be a big drive for club football development in Africa, especially in terms of women club football development, because we need the big teams like Al Hali, uh, like Kaiser's Chief. We, we need them to have women's team so that women can get a professional contract and can play in, in a, a more sustainable environment. Also, the Champions League and the Women AFCON is part, transmitted live on Bean Sport and mm -hmm. uh, also, I think, in live streams, in some streams. So uh, I think mm -hmm. there is a visibility. Um, there is a visibility happening in terms of women's football in Africa. Um, mm -hmm. Like the last Women AFCON, we have 30 member association free to air. Um, it, the match were free to air in 30 member association inside Africa. We have been Sport, Canal Plus, uh, Star Plus, all of these, uh, you know, regional zonal uh, uh, medias covering the women's football live. So I think we, we're moving forward, but we need to establish uh, more visibility. It started in member association, actually. When I was in the member association, there was a lot of things that we can do, like really small things that can change the visibility of women's football. Let's say mm. having a clear calendar. Sometimes the calendar comes out a week before the matches are starting. Mm. So we need to have a clear calendar. Each member association needs to establish a clear calendar of women's football, get that calendar in their media, you know, in their Facebook page, mm. website, and let, let each uh, match, for example, in, in, in a week we have... A playing B, just put it in your website, uh, in this stadium at this time. I believe people will show up, but we are, we're missing that small things, you know, small drive in terms of member association. And we are, this is something that we are really pushing the competition uh, managers of member association to do, you know, to have a small initiation and push for women's football to be visible. No, absolutely. That's... you. And, and CAF is doing a great job. Um, and you spoke about coaches. I mean, the, the, the women's uh, um, coach who won the women's AFCON is Desiree Ellis, a South African. Um, the, woman, the, 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 the coach of the year in, in, in England is Emma Hayes, who won the 2020-21, uh, the women's Super League uh, season coach. The England women's coach who, who just won the Euros, also a woman. There's a lot of capacity that's being built around ar around coaches and making sure that um, that these ladies are and are not just token um, you know appointments and 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 that they they are on merit and and they know exactly what they're doing and and that they're also respected, right? Um, so Emma, if I if I if I could ask you this this question around. Um, Maintaining that sort of conveyor belt uh, within the women's game. I mean, you've you've gone through all of the stages of of development and, and ensuring that all the clubs are uh, all the and all the member associations are doing their jobs. Now you started to also to to get great deals in place with regards to broadcasting and ensuring that visibility is going on all across the world um, and not just in in in, in Europe. Um, so what? What's next um, beyond the success of of the Euros, beyond the success of you know the, the the previous World Cup? How do you maintain that sort of trajectory going upwards? Um, and and what do you identify maybe as two key points to to ensure that that trajectory keeps on going up? Um, big question. 
it's it's mm. a bit of the question of the moment as well. I think that, you know, what there's still a lot of work to do, and we still really have to to put in every association. There's still work to do on every continent. There's still work to do in every club. So you know, we don't want to rest on our laurels. We really want to kind of raise that bar further. I mean, from from my perspective as UEFA, we we need to continue to commit to completing to our current strategy. The work mm. that we're still doing um, through time for action and ensure that we achieve all those goals by 20, 2024, whilst at the same time building on the momentum, pushing forward and kind of writing and drafting the next goals for the future after that. So it's very much this iterative process. But what we really need to, to capitalize on right now is building on that momentum that's being created by the national team competitions and really ensuring that our you know that the domestic leagues um and the clubs can continue to build on that momentum you know on a weekly basis so that we can provide more professions for our players for our coaches for our referees and administrators that will only happen if the domestic leagues the women's champions league if the structures are around those get more investment and become more professional so I think that mm. Mesky really highlighted quite a lot of the initiatives that they're doing uh, in CAF, particularly around coaches, because that's really, really important that we continue to build female coaches. Um, but for, for all spectrums of the pyramid, right, from the grassroots up to the elite, um, that we ensure that there's a pathway for administrators to make sure that there are more women on the decision-making table, um, mm. but to also make sure that our domestic leagues are really there as um, for the daily work of the players. They have the best conditions possible, but also have the best experience for fans as well. So up until now, we've not really discussed the, the, the fan base of women's football, the fan mm. experience of women's football. Um, and I think that's really now where we have to harness that momentum. There's, it's clear that people want to watch the women's game. People are interested. And now we need mm. to convert that interest into a weekly interest. But that's kind of the jobs of the confederations, the associations and the clubs to, to really find out what the best way forward is um, in that regard. No, absolutely. Um, and and, and Mesky, sorry, sorry, Meskrim. <laughs> uh, if... If, if I could bring you um, one last question before we, we jump on to the, the questions. I can see there's questions and, and comments from Adam, uh, Judith um, in, in the comment section and Tega as well, Nyasha. Um, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Um, Meskrum, if I could ask you one last uh, question. Um, in, in June 2017, right, you told BBC Africa that African nations are not doing enough to promote women's football. Um, do you still believe that this is the case? Um, and if so, why? <laughs> yes, I remember that interview. Um, it was because at the time there was an under 17 and under 20 uh, women African uh, qualifiers for the World Cup. And we had a lot of withdrawal and we ended up, I think, with 16 teams. Uh, for the qualifiers of uh, the women under 17 and it's out of 54 and it yeah. hits me that we we really need to push forward in terms of women's football development and we really need to do more as a member association as i said i believe there is change um, from mm. then to now there is a big change but is it enough no <laughs> no we yeah. we really need to do more uh, and especially, as I said before, uh, development starts from member associations. Um, as CAF, as a continental confederation, we, we, we can do a lot, but without the involvement of the member Meskrim, uh, are you still there? I think we may have lost Meskrim. All right. While we while we work on getting Meskrim back, um, let's let's just consider one thing um, as as a little anecdote from from myself here in in, in South Africa. Um, we have a situation where 
uh, in South Africa, less than less than 10% of our public schools, this is public schools, have an, have an active school sports program. Um, and from that pool, we, we seek to bring in all the talent that we can. That's across all sport. Um, and of that, uh, women's sport are, well, football is, is, is the large majority. Yes, it's the biggest, it's the most popular sport. But if you're only fishing, fishing from a pond of, of 10% or from a pool of 10% of your school kids, the number of fans that you're going to have later on in life dramatically decreases your, your ability to, to convert those, those, um, kids into, you know, buying public or, or people who participate in sport is dramatically reduced. Um, so I, I commend you guys, Emma and, and, and Miss Grimm, when we get her back for, for all the work that you, that you're doing, um, you know, across the value chain to ensure that we have, you know, as many people, oh, Emma, uh, Miss Grimm, you've got you back. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, but I was just making a point that, um, in South Africa, we've got less than 10% of, of kids participating in school sport because school, school sport is not a, a priority of our government. And you were mentioning something about member associations and the member associations having to do a lot of work to ensure that we foster the growth of, of, of women's football, not just sport in, 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 in our countries. Um, so I, 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 I think that you guys, as, as I was saying to Emma now, I think you guys are doing incredible work to, to shine a light on, on, on the plight of women, on, on, on the requirements of, 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 of women's football and the, the huge benefits that, you know, the global sporting community can see from women's football. I mean, if you look at just, the numbers, the numbers speak for themselves. People say women, people don't watch women's football. Go look at the numbers recently, just two weeks ago or a week ago <laughs> or a day ago. And they, and they say a lot. So thank you so much guys for, for your great engagement. And, um, I think we'll open up now to the, to the floor to, to allow people to ask some questions. I do have a few here that I would like to read and direct at you guys. Um, Ms. Grimm, so that just just so that you're here, there's there's the first one will come to you. Um, uh, this one is from Edem Kojos Pio. It says uh, to Ms. Grimm, what role does partnership play in fostering grassroots football for young girls? Organizations like uh, Generation Amazing and having African football legends can go a long way. Uh, thank you. Um, I think it's important to focus on grassroots football and even school football. Uh, that's why we, mm. as CAF, we have established African school football. And uh, I think this week we have been seeing a lot of qualifiers for the continental one. It's a zonal qualifier. It's a membership qualifier, member association qualifier, then zonal qualifier to the African uh, qualifier. It's uh, uh, really a long competition that a school can go through. Um, mm. I think it's, it's really important that organizations like Generation Amazing are doing uh, a great job. Uh, plus to that, we are trying to involve also African legends. Um, uh, you have seen that our we even did our legends game. I think it's it's mm. it's immense. They play an immense role because uh, like uh, a legend like Oshuala can can um, inspire a generation uh, or perpetua. Uh, or other African legends, so it's 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 can go a long way. Yes. No, absolutely. Um, for Emma, there's a question here from uh, Zarina Badu. Uh, sorry for, if I'm from butchering your uh, your surname, there, Zarina. Uh, hi, Emma. Uh, football co-started in the visa uh, in an effort to promote women's football. Do you think that more initiatives like that need to be run by key stakeholders? Um, sorry, wait for, by visa was that the um, ND visa? Um, I'm not sure if the organisation uh, started an effort to promote women's football, um, but I guess the, I guess the question is around um, uh, stakeholders in football running um, uh, their own key programmes. Yeah, I, I think that it's really important that you know the the partners, the sponsors, governments they really take ownership. Um, of women's football and um, that they really put programs in place that match 
their expertise and what they what they do and how they can therefore maximize um women's football via the work that they do so i think visa is a good example because they'd have the second half which is a a program for players in about to basically prepare them for their next career i think that's um a really good example that's had really tangible benefits and they've utilized the expertise in house at visa to coach to train um to prepare those players for the next stage um so it's a very tangible um partnership mm. that really you know makes a difference it's not just lip service it's it's actually going to make a difference to you know tens of players at the moment and it's only going to it's in a few markets at the moment but it will you know push around across europe and then you'll see um a huge difference no absolutely um mescoren there's a question here around which season um caf will implement the regulation for male champions league team i think that's 2023 2024 if i'm not mistaken yeah that's correct 2023 2024 yes the regulation right. has just been approved uh, so it will be implemented in uh, in the next 2023 season but it's not just to have a direct team it's to mm. have a, a team under a women's team under them it can be a mm. partnership but for the partnership it need to be uh, an agreement that need to be presented mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh there's a question here for young women who want to work in your positions and be part of the decision making and planning processes. Um what advice would you give to them? Um mm, who wants to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can both take it probably yeah. probably, probably mm. come from slightly different angles. Um I would say be involved in the sport that you want to work in so if it's football i think volunteer learn as much as possible um about yeah. the game about how sport works it's a different business it's not the same industry as other industries it's very unique um the more you can learn the better prepared you'll be um to work in the sporting environment but um right. for sure i wouldn't be in the role that i am now if i hadn't have volunteered to do the small jobs working in clubs or working at tournaments or um you know that that type of thing really does make a difference because it's about who you know a little bit as well as the experiences yeah. that you have and um volunteering really opens um that space up great um just as just a reminder to oh sorry miss grom go ahead no i think i i will follow with Emma's advice uh, that you need to know about the sport also know that uh, it is not a, a smooth road and you should not give up because at the end of the day especially in african continent sports is not seen as a woman's career choice but that doesn't really not should not discourage you to follow your passion so follow your passion guys do what you need to do go out there and and win just go out there and win and start actually because i mean yeah i started a, a business out of passion um and yeah now it's a it's a full time job so just go out there and start um and also just a reminder to everyone watching everyone who's who's interested in the series it's a it's a three part series there's a the next moderated discussion happens on the 12th of on the 11th of August sorry um it's moderated by Emmy one day um and there are three guests not just two so there will be I'll definitely make sure to watch that one uh please go on through to the to the link it's also it's about engaging women and youth uh at the grassroots level um so before we be, before we end off uh Emma if I, if I could ask you specifically around um you spoke about something which i thought was interesting that feeling that different feeling around um around the euros uh, and and the women's game it's not it's not the same as a men's game can you for someone who wasn't there can you describe it and how it feels like and how and how and and how uh, uefa is trying to foster that and trying to trying to improve on that i i mean you know it was incredible the many matches of the euro were incredible the final was mm. very special obviously it's over you know 90,000 people or so in the 
in in one stadium bowl, all supporting more or less one team. Um, so it's 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 a home final. But um, you know, across the tournament, what we saw were you know full stadiums, more traveling fans than ever. So people actually taking their holidays and traveling to another country to follow their team, which is unique, never happened really before uh, in women's football. Um, but the the environment is is you know the pitch is higher, the energy is is electric. It's there from the first minute to the ninetieth to the ninetieth minute, um, and it seems like it's a very kind of supportive um, atmosphere where they're really really championing the girls um, on mm. the pitch from start to finish. What what we see generally about women's football fans is that they are younger, they're more females. It's around a fifty fifty split, um, and they are people that are more progressive in their values than in other sports. That's a piece of research that we've done recently. So there's a really kind of unique fan base there that we should all be looking um, mm. to very much to capitalize on into the future. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not much I can say otherwise. It was exceptionally, <laughs> uh, exceptionally emotional. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Um, for for, for Ms. Grimm, I've got a, a question for you here. There's two of them, actually. One, how do you become a, a CAF instructor? And two, um, what role do partnerships play with fostering? Um, oh, actually, I actually asked you this one already. Um, but there is a, sec a separate question here from Murado from, from, Madagas from Madagascar. Um, how do you follow up the efficiency of the work done by member associations? Um, because in Madagascar, they haven't had any football activity since 2019. Um... I will answer the first one. Uh, to become a yeah. CAF instructor, uh, you have to have first your CAF uh, coaching license and been mm. coaching uh, for a long time. And being an instructor also is a teacher, so you have to have the gift to teach and to transfer yeah. knowledge. Um, so that's how you become an instructor. You cannot jump and say uh, you are an instructor. You have to coach for a long period of time, at least at a national le level or at a higher level in, in your continent and in your country and have that mm. knowledge and that keen to, to instruct uh, the next generation. In terms of following up with the member association, uh, this is one of the things we I was saying about having a women's football administrator. I think, mm. sorry to say that, uh, for the last uh, two years, we are trying to get every member association to have a women's football administrators. And uh, I think we have failed in Madagascar, I guess. Um, mm. But we follow up through our member associations and that to have a women's football um, strategy or a women's football um, activities. Uh, so mm. our following up is every year when we have the women's football administrator course, they reflect on what they are doing and in their member association and they send us a, a report. That's how we follow up. Yeah, um, for for either one of you, I've got one question from a one great question from a LinkedIn user. Um, what are you both finding challenging in terms of establishing more visibility with broadcasters or OTT platforms? I guess actually that could be that insight could be beneficial for both people in Africa and in Europe. So I'll, if if either maybe both of you could answer, I think that would be great. Well, I mean. I'm definitely not a marketing or broadcasting expert, so it's actually it's quite a difficult question for me to answer, um, mm. especially because at the moment the Women's Champions League is free and available to everyone on an OTT platform, um, and we've just had the Women's Euro largely you know, broadcast on free-to-air in many, many nations. So at yeah. the moment, the visibility is there. I think the challenge comes more for our domestic leagues, um, really. And I think right. also, even even though with DAZN and YouTube, it's all about signposting, especially if you have, um, you know, a product that is available without a paywall, like we have for the Women's Champions League at the moment. It's very much about pro promotion and signposting um, to get, you know, putting it in the places that people are already so that they watch watch the matches mm. right from your side miss Grimm? i think the same things goes for me also our broadcaster management and tv management are the one who are dealing with the broadcasters but most of our games like i said are live on the continental um 
uh, host broadcasters like Bean Sport or Canal Plus, even zonal competition. Uh, for example, when Kosafa hosted zonal competition, that's the South Zone. It's live mm. on Base TV and and uh, mm. and uh, the national TV. When Kosa when Sekafa, the East part, it's live on Star Time. That's for the Eastern part. Um, I mean the 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 zonal and the African the continental competition. We have domestic. Um, we have international uh, TV stations covering it, but like Emma said, the problem comes when it it comes to the uh, um, the domestic, domestic leagues. leagues. Mm. Yes, mostly sometimes the final is on 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 TV, um, but other than that, we really face a problem. Uh, but we we were actually trying to to have some uh, live broadcaster on. on um, like OTT platforms uh, yeah. and trying to push that member association should use that. Not just also in Africa, when we talk about football, it's just total football sometimes. There is leagues, big nations sometimes you don't find their, their leagues on TV, both men yeah. and women. So yes, it's, it's yeah. not just also a women's uh, problem. When it comes to women, it's, it's worse, but it's not just a women's football when it comes to domestic leagues in Africa. So we, we are trying to uh, link them with OTT platforms so that they can have their, their um, matches live on, on websites. Right. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's, it's not a question, it's a comment. It says the women's Euros champions should face the, uh, the WAFCON champions. I completely agree. I think that will be, yes. be a blockbuster match. It would be an excellent game to watch. Um, so ladies, I, I think, uh, yeah, uh, I think that would be an excellent. Um, a separate question from my side, not from the floor. Um, we've, we've seen a, um, a lot of growth, um, in, in the women's game, um, now, uh, from actually, maybe let me, let me ask this one to Emma. We, we struggled on the African continent at a, at a grassroots level in terms of ensuring that, um, that goals are playing, um, and, and goals are playing at, uh, at every turn. I saw a story just the other day where the lionesses wrote to the British government and they and they asked for them to, I think they all signed a, a letter asking that they ensure that girls are able to play uh, from and, and have the same opportunities as, um, as early as possible. Are there any UEFA intervention programs at that level, primary school level, um, five, 10 years, 15 years, 10 years old? Um, and what do those look like? Yeah, so so the letter that the lionesses sent to the UK government was about getting girls into school to be able to play football at school, mm. um, which is obviously really really important because if we don't build the base and get more and more girls playing playing football, then you you know you don't get as many Ale Alexandra pops or mm. um, it's really really important to the game. What we're doing at UEFA is we have quite a lot of initiatives uh, on grassroots football, specifically, you know, at the younger end, we have Football in Schools, which is a program mm. uh, that's delivered with every single one of our national associations. Um, it's bespoke to each national association. So uh, depends where you're from as to exactly what happens. But that's about encouraging both girls and boys to be able to have access to football at a school level because in some in some countries it's still not a given that boys will definitely play football because it's often the mm. choice of the teacher or the choice um, of the school or the, the government itself so that's one initiative we have when we specifically talk about girls football we have a program that we're very proud of called ua for playmakers uh, or mm. ua for playmakers inspired by disney which is a participation program for five to eight year old girls it can be delivered in schools and community centers in football clubs but it's really about getting girls to want to participate in sports physical activity and then football um, and mm. it uses the 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 magic of Disney stories like uh, Encanto or Incredibles 2, Moana, um, to create a safe environment where girls feel confident to build their sporting and physical literacy skills um, and then hoping that they want to come out of that into the football pathway. And it's been up to date, few issues with COVID, but exceptionally um, positively received. We're very happy with that. No, great. Uh, Ms. Grimm, I have a question to you specifically with regards to this as well. Um, 
in 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 Africa, we've we've uh, often had issues with regards to to age cheating and so on and so on. Not a lot less in in, in the in, in the girls' game, but it's been very prevalent in the in the in the boys' game. Um, part of these issues can be well, not necessarily solved by technology, but technology can help with regards to you know registering players making sure you know who they are making sure that when they move around you know where they've moved from etc cetera, etc cetera. um and that's why um you know fifa started the player tracking system um are there any sort of um you know interventions that 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 caf is looking at with regards to tracking and registering and 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 making sure that uh you know girls are, are all accounted for and that we remove this issue of 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 uh of people you know trying to get an unfair advantage um thank you um i think all domestic leagues um we are trying to move to domestic registration system that's pushed mm. through the club licensing uh, regulation and the competition department uh, but more or less now with the african school program uh, the people or the girls or the boys uh, joining that program is registered online um, through the member association um, mm. like you said more or less on the girl side we we didn't have that much of a problem um, mm. but still uh, because also when you see the women football landscape, we are still depending on school programs. Most of the girls actually playing in the club and most of the, the girls playing in the national team come from school competition. Uh, yeah. In Africa, we have the, this program. Uh, I'm not going to say all over Africa, but most African mm. countries have a school uh, football program or school sports program, uh, which is also endorsed by African Union. Even mm. after CAF has uh, an MOU with African Union. So if you see most, even in my country, most of the, the players come from this school system, a school competition uh, or under-17 competition. So we don't have that in women's football, but we still need to register and track them. Uh, I think we're just in the beginning of this stage. I cannot say it's fully functioning, but we mm. have a system, the domestic uh, registering system. They use actually the FIFA system domestically. Um, and now with African school uh, program, they are registered online uh, and they can be tracked throughout their career or the future. Oh, great, great. Um, uh, Emma, there's a question here that came in for you from Mirado again in, in Madagascar. Uh, you talked about bringing all the stakeholders uh, involved in to, to be involved in women's football. Um, how, what is the best way to ask the government to be more involved in women's football or what, 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 what are the, the, the challenges maybe that you found in, in, in terms of getting, um, you know, sort of governmental assistance um, in, in, in terms of women's football? Um, I think what we've seen our, in our national associations is really the most successful ones find what the, mm. the, the key objectives of that government is and then goes to the government and how women's football can achieve those goals and develops programs specifically that the government would invest in because they help achieve their their goals as a, as a government, as a country, um, and, and also backing it all up with data. So yeah. data is quite hard to come by generally in women's football, but um, I think that that's really where the most success has been seen, you know, if we take some of the countries, they very much looked towards um, using sport as a tool for education and specific programs in the women's game that can help achieve that. So it's very much more almost tailoring what you do to ensure that it fulfills both the, the goals of the women's game, but also the goals of the government. And that's often how um more money has been put into the women's game through such kind of strategic initiatives right okay all right um i think um just as we wrap up um i have one last question for both of you but before i ask you um that question um again thank you so much for for joining thank you so much for availing yourselves and your time um the question is you both 
there were two very very successful um, competitions on the on on each continent. Um, what are your highlights from each side uh, in terms of what you saw um, and when what really encourages you for the future of women's uh, football? Maybe I'll start with you, Meskrim. Uh, the highlight? Mm. Um, I think for me it would be the Champions League, the creating the Women's Champions League. I think that this for me will change the African women's football landscape. Um, we have had no competition other than the women AFCON for a long time. So mm. creating this competition means a lot for the girl child. Um, and because of the creation of the competition, there will be a good structure, uh, especially clubs and leagues and member association. So th this is what I want to see in the future and that the Champions League actually doing what we envision for the African football because it was not just one competition. It follow up with a long, a long list of achievements through that competition. So I, that's my biggest, that's my, the biggest achievement I see and I hope that it will achieve what we hope to achieve with it. Yeah, it's already achieving a lot. It's already achieving a lot. Um, Emma, on your side? I mean, I think what Meski said about having um, a continental club competition that is played regularly throughout the season and that really is used as an inspiration to all clubs and all leagues to, to invest and improve player standards will ultimately change the game Um for for you for you in Africa, but also for us in in Europe. So, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that pans out over the next um, few years. But highlights. You asked for a highlight um, yeah. from the the year because it has been a little bit of an insane 2022, and we're only in August. So we'll, mm. we'll see if there's another highlight coming. But um, for me, it was very much about when the final ended at the Women's Euro. The, the coverage on print press and the media on the TV was absolutely outstanding globally. And I think that when you then we woke up on the, the Monday morning to see that kind of reach and visibility, not just from the, from the sports media, um, not for, just from football fans, but from people all over the world, that that was a, a real highlight because there's no going back from things like that. Mm. Um, no, absolutely. Um, and as we wrap up, Again, thank you all so much for, for joining. Thank you so much for the questions and the comments, Calvin and Edem and Mirado. Um, thank you all for, for engaging and pushing us along. It's been a really great engagement. Um, as a final reminder, the next session is on the Thursday, next Thursday, the 11th of August. Um, same time, we'll be joined by Paul Dreisbach, uh, president of Petricor, Ramoni Pinnock, founder of the Badgers Football Club, um, and Makubana uh, Namai, African Sports um, Program uh, Program uh, Manager at CAF. Um, and thank you so much again for for joining us. It's been it's been amazing, and thank you all as well for having me um, to the to the ASU team for asking me to moderate. It's been great to be a. a, a thorn among roses and 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 learn a lot i've really learned a lot and i'm i'm hopeful that everyone who also listened learned a lot about the the beauty of of the women's game and how we can grow this uh this game together thank you so much for joining thank you for having us yeah thank, thank you very you. much <laughs>